0: All right, so um, where am I? At a recent gathering I was at with other clergy, I was um, asked to consider a moment in time when I knew that God loved me. And one might think this wouldn't be a difficult uh, question for a bunch of pastors to uh, to answer, but you'd be wrong about that, at least in my little small sharing group. As soon as this question was asked, my mind began racing through the history of my entire life, sort of like a computer trying to index files or something like, okay, search God's love, um, my youth, my early adulthood, my experiences in church, times I was out in nature, conversations I've had with people that are important to me, um, the time at the retreat, I cried for two hours. Was it then? Was it there? Was it ever? As my mind was doing this i actually uh I actually volunteered to speak first um a, a bit of a new year's resolution for me and in doing so uh, this inevitably leads to trying to give the answer before uh, I know what the answer will be and some call this verbal processing um I call it it feels more to me like the days before g p s and Google Maps where you had to just drive just start driving to get wherever you're hoping to get, barbaric times those were. And so I rambled a little while about some book I had read and how I highly recommend it before arriving at this destination, which was that I always knew God's love, right? So simple. There was no singular moment of revelation, or at least not uh, one that would have deserved such a weighty title as the moment I knew God loved me. Rather, it was like the way one who is fortunate enough to have, uh, loving parents can say that they always knew that, that, that love, right? They never were like, this was a moment where I knew my mother loved me. I just always knew this. I never questioned it, that, um, there wasn't some singular time that this moment became true. Of course, every pastor in this group copied me, took my answer, and I, I suppose I could be proud of, of that, um, but really, I'm not right. It's not something I'm proud of because we all copped out. Honestly, at least that's my assessment. None of us really wanted to be at this digital retreat in the first place. We were all just kind of like answering this question, whatever. Um, we just said what well, was whatever was easy. At least that's again what I uh, would assess of the situation. I really wish I would I would have gone last. In retrospect, I could have spiced things up a little bit to really answer this question. Um, if it's worth answering at all, I believe demands a a sincere meditation that affords an opportunity for us to sort of clear away the debris, right? The answers that are a little too easy, that come too quickly, whether it's an answer like the one I gave initially, or perhaps your immediate answer is that God doesn't love me, or there is no God, whatever it might be. Uh, What if we let those thoughts sort of come to us, pass through us, such that Uh, Eventually, we are sitting squirming with whatever might come after. My knowledge of the uh, culinary arts has increased a great deal over the past year because, yes, there is so little to do but think about what to eat and how to eat it. Um, So now I'm able to mix in a few cooking metaphors into what I say. (laughs) For better or worse, what I'm talking about here is like when you're boiling meat (laughs) or like when you're boiling meat and uh, let's say a whole chicken or some oxtail or something. And when you boil it, uh, you throw out the first batch of water, right? Because it's full of grime and impurities and it looks really gross. And for certain dishes, you do this multiple times, you boil it and then you empty it and then you boil it and you empty it again until the broth runs clear. And this is what I sort of mean when I say meditation, right? We are in a sermon series right now on meditations that we will continue through Lent and um, meditations on ideas and questions where we are willing to boil and drain and repeat as needed until we find ourselves holding on to something of value, something of worth. So I've been thinking about this all week, this uh, question that was asked to me at this virtual retreat, and I'm sharing this meditation with you today, uh, what has come of this week of thinking about this question, which I wrote out, so forgive me for reading today more than I normally would. Um, and we're also going to kind of do this together to the extent that is possible. I'm inviting you on this meditative journey with me to let our uh, thoughts and feeling come again and to sit with them and to see where they go. So we're going to do that with a few series of pauses where I give all of us an opportunity to um, also reflect um, in this space. And if you want, if you're writing person grab a pen and paper and do that if you type in notes in your phone or your computer feel free to do that as well or just sit there and think about it it's, it's totally fine as well um, but let's begin with this let's broaden this statement and sort of make it a little bit easier uh, God loves you right this statement God loves you what does that bring up for you What is your mind your body your spirit Go with that statement. Take it wherever uh, it may come first. So I'm going to give us a few minutes to do that. And then I'll come back and begin to share uh, my meditation. All right, let us come back together. So I'm immediately stuck here. Uh, One of the problems um, for me is that it's difficult, maybe impossible even to know what it means for God to love me, um, us, a dog, the world, a piece of furniture that is part of the world, anything at all. When I try to think about what that means, how it might feel, I run straight towards what it might do. And Though I try to resist it, some part of God's love is inextricably linked to an idea of gaining something or receiving a particular outcome. Benefit. I'm stuck on this word. What is the benefit? If God loved me, that would mean I would be happy or free of anxiety or depression, or I'd be rich or I'd be healthy and so on. Right. And this is um, an attitude that infects religious sentiments overall and the practices and rituals of religion and spirituality um, in particular, right? For from tickets to heaven for some, to the health benefits of prayer and how meditation eases stress and releases the right kinds of chemicals in our brains and so forth. Uh, religiosity, spirituality, belief, practice. In our participation, we must gain something in, an almost, in almost that economic sense, that prosperity gospel sense, that we must gain something of worth. If God loving me doesn't mean that I get what I want, and let me be, go beyond just this sort of self-centered view of, of what I want for me, but if God's love doesn't guarantee such benefits for others, for those I love, for those who suffer so greatly in this world, again, we are living um, in a time of mass death and a great callousness at the same time. All right. My God, how, why? What good is the love of a God? whose love cannot or does not stop such things? This is an age-old question. But I also want to reject reject this premise, this sort of economic mentality of spirituality, of religion, of God's love, right? God never promised health or wealth or a suffering-free life. Ultimately, love guarantees only love. We ourselves, We ourselves, right, do not love anyone because it guarantees us anything do we? And all this capitalistic notion of God, um, an idol, really, a God who can dictate everything, every minute detail of what happens that God cannot love, right? That God is a God of control. I get it. Many theologians have talked about this, but it still lingers in me. It still bothers me somewhere. And I ask God, I ask God right now, why must I think this way? Why can't I extract this image of you from my brain. What is this demand on love that I place on you? When I have been in the darkest places of my life, weeping with all my being in an empty church over lost love or waiting for hours alone in a hospital room, waiting on news that could completely alter everything for me, that thought could not escape me. Countless others have prayed the same. If you love me, why would you let this happen? Theologian Howard Thurman once wrote, we bear our lives to the scrutiny, to the judgment, to the love of God. There's so much that burdens the mind, that peoples the thoughts, that again and again, we are confused even in the greatest quiet presence of God. And so in this meditation, I am in the midst of my confusion. I am most certainly burdened right now. Perhaps your thoughts have brought you to a similar place Maybe my thoughts reflect something similar to yours or are going somewhere totally different. So here we are for pause, meditation number two, together with this question, what are the confusions that arise in this idea of God's love? What are the burdens that you bring to the table in this idea? Again, a couple minutes to ponder to let that wash through. Let us join back together again. For God so loved the world, He gave his only son so that whoever might believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I wrote that verse out from memory. It's one of like a few that I can quote freely along with in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And of course, Jesus wept. If you can't remember that one, I don't know what to tell you. But what's God love means is spelled out rather clearly clearly. in John 3, 16. And whatever one's feelings on this verse and all its cultural baggage, you have to admire its concise nature, I do at least, right? You have your for, gave, so that, have, it runs very cleanly. I like to think of the rest of the words in that verse as sort of variables in this equation. But within a system, their variability is more like turning and revealing the letters in Wheel of Fortune, if one remembers that show, then being able to plug in whatever inputs one chooses, because there is, again, this one constant here that guides the rest of that verse. Does God love me? Well, I still don't know what this means or how or exactly why. All I I know is to say yes. What I have said to those pastors wasn't a total avoidance of the question, right? I didn't lie. There's a lot of truth there that this idea is and has firmly been true for me for my whole life, as far as I can remember. My mother used to ask me as a child all the time, do you love God, do you love God, do you love God? What a mother, (laughs) and I would answer yes, yes, yes. But often with a twinge of uncertainty or unsureness, sometimes with a little lump of guilt in my throat, to say yes to that question seems a little harder, but does God love me? That yes, always and still does flow very freely And so this for me then is the constant. And now I must reverse engineer what this actually might mean then, right? And this sounds, I don't know, stupid or um, reverse engineering has a bad connotation for us, but it is very much how I think most of life works, right? The scientific method, it posits a truth, a hypothesis, and then attempts to prove that truth. If we just waited for the truth to come to us, if we did not go after it, Uh, We know nothing about everything, and this is the way we live in our personal lives as well, despite what we like to tell ourselves. Our greatest truths we know because we once took a step towards that truth before we knew that it was true. One doesn't meet someone and call them a friend only once that person has met some sort of 20-point checklist of what a friend is. We must call them to friendship first so that the opportunity the possibility is present for them to be one for us or not. We first take a step on the path of friendship before we know where it will lead. This is what I mean by reverse engineering, to set forth towards a destination worth traveling for. The philosopher William James once said this on the idea of belief and truth. We stand on a mountain pass in the midst of a whirling snow in blinding mist through which we get glimpses now and then of paths we may be deceptive. If we stand still, we choose if we stand still, we shall be frozen to death. If we take the wrong road, we shall be dashed to pieces. We do not we do not have certain we do, we do not certainly know whether there is any right one. What must we do? What we do is move, right? What we do is take a step. Love is like this. Faith is definitely like this. And I say to God, I believe in your love. I have faith in your love. And maybe I can't pinpoint a specific moment or story, but for whatever reason, I have no problem saying that I believe this. I have oriented my way way in the blizzard of my confusion towards that path that says yes. And where does that path lead me? When I think of myself, I must see hopefully the whole picture, a human being in all my glory and all my depravity at the same time, all that is wonderful and beautiful and made to love and be loved and all that fails to live into those things or see them in others or is selfish and vain and full of insecurity and ego. And I feel a lot of courage in this space of being honest with myself. It's okay that these things are true Not okay like things should just remain unchanged, but okay like now it's okay to come out of my hiding place and open my eyes and survey the scene. This is what it means to be human. We are not perfect. This world is not perfect. I certainly am not perfect. Um, And we think we might know that, but do we? That question still lingers for me. Is this what it means to be loved by God that I can be honest about who I am and who I am not. Is there any other place right now and with anybody else in this world that I truly feel that way? Pieces here, sure. Um, Certain people, maybe a little bit there, maybe a little bit over here, but as a whole, I don't think so. And this is where the path begins to lead for me. Each marker on the journey is another layer of falsehood shed, another uh, idol smashed, another vulnerability laid bare until I am born again. Let's reclaim that phrase I say. I think it's a great phrase, born again. We must rescue it. I digress. Born again like a newborn child with skin almost translucent in its honesty. I say to God, this is who I am. I take a step. I say, these are the things I've done, and I take another step. These are the thoughts I have. My foot slips a bit, but finds its footing and it continues on. Meditation for us again, number three. What does it mean for you to be loved? What does it mean for you to be loved? A difficult question. We'll take a moment again and come back together. Okay, back together once more. Come. Have I now successfully extracted myself from the cost benefit analysis of religion? I'm not sure I hope so. People go to church or engage in spiritual practice for a lot of reasons. I think for me, the purpose is always to be honest with myself about everything, not just about myself, but everything in this world. Sometimes there's real joy there. Sometimes there is real agony. Sometimes I don't feel much at all, but I know God's love when I'm able to do this and come out of it alive. Alive in the flesh, yes. Tragically, that is not always a given in encounters of honesty, but also alive to eternity, to the kingdom of God, to the freedom of God. I am alive to the power of life that is the capacity, the possibility, the potentiality to love. So that we might not perish, as the verse again says, but we might be alive, fucking alive, really alive. When we receive love from someone, truly receive it, we learn something about ourselves. We are open to an honest truth that we would have otherwise missed. Like walking, if you go out today into this single digit, frigid winter air and it shocks you, uh, so you notice your breath in a way you otherwise would never have. That's what love does. It opens us up, brings that kind of life to us. When I receive love from someone, do I not feel really and truly alive? This is God's love for me. God, your love, it guides me on this path to know myself and this world in ways I could never otherwise have the courage to know. Because I trust that love enough to have faith that I will live, I will be alive no matter where that road might lead. And for that, I'm so grateful. Help me to remember this all the time. Help me to remember to give this long meditation and next time someone dares ask me such a question. Amen.